now can you hear me okay yeah you, you know, there's a button on there that says off and on <laughs> apparently it's got to be on Hey, listen, I, I want to uh, announce again about the work day coming up Saturday. I really encourage you to come and, and be a part of that. Um, there's not going to be too many people because if there are, my yard, I'll show you exactly where it is. There's some, <laughs> no, I won't do that. Um, but we would love to have you to come and be a part of that. Also, on, look on the back of your bulletin. There's a, an announcement there about the Little River, nope, Little Bethel uh, annual meeting. We need six more people who will like to go. Good preaching, good testimonies there. Uh, one night there's even a good meal. So um, you, you need to do that. Uh, you feel the Lord's calling you to do that. Call Rosalind this week at the church office um, for that. And Wednesday we're continuing our study in Ruth. We've just had the, the first uh, part of the first chapter. But there's another series starting up tonight. And I'm... I'm very happy about this and excited about this. We're going to be in the book of Revelation. At least the first three chapters. Uh, I've got that far so far. So um, please, please come tonight and, and see this uh, beginning of this series. Because the first, the second and third chapter deal with the church. And I think that's why God led me to this. Um, to deal with the churches, the seven churches that, that have some issues um, that have some praises, and we're going to see ourselves in, in some of these churches. So come tonight, that's at 5 o'clock, Wednesday night at 6. And today, this message this morning, I, I think most likely it will cause the most repercussion of any message I brought to this church. Um, I'm sure that you're going to connect with it. Most of you are, are going to... Um, you're going to connect in a way that is going to make you angry. Some of you will connect in a way to bring you to repentance. And some of you will say, you know, I've walked through those waters and, and I appreciate you bringing that message. It's a message on dealing with resentments. Resentments that we have allowed to um, cause us a life of misery. Our life is just miserable because of something that has happened to them. I'm going to start by telling you a story about King David. This uh, story was in 2 Samuel chapter 16. This is probably David's lowest point in his life. His son Absalom has um, led a revolt against his own father, chased him out of the uh, city of Jerusalem because David had figured, I'd rather run away humiliated in retreat rather than to be involved in a bloody civil war against my own son so he he leaves and as he's leaving um as if that's not you ever have one of those days where you go it can't get any worse <laughs> it gets worse as he's leaving the city there's a man named Shimei and Shimei begins to taunt David to yell at him as he fled he stood up on a hillside throwing clods of dirt and throwing rocks at David and said, God is finally getting even with you for what you did to King Saul, you bloody traitor. And on and on as he walked. One of David's men even asked David, said, hey, can I go up there and just take off his head? <laughs> David said, no, don't kill him. Let him go. Maybe I'm getting what I deserve. Now, if that were the end of the story, we would go, isn't David a great 
man. How magnanimous of him to forgive this commoner for, for doing that to God's anointed. Well, beloved, I do believe that David was a great king, but that's not the end of the story. You see, the memory of that offense festered in David's life for the rest of his life. On his deathbed, at, 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 this is years and years later, David speaks his final words in 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 to his son Solomon. He says, there is also with you Shimei, the son of Gera, the Benjamite from Behurim, who cursed me with a grievous curse on the day when I went to Maharaim. But when he came down to meet me at the Jordan, I swore him by the Lord, saying, I will not put you to death with the sword. Now, therefore, he says to Solomon, do not hold him guiltless. You are a wise man. You will know what you ought to do to him, and you shall bring his gray head down with blood to Sheol. Those are David's final words. I don't have to emphasize to you the resentment, do I? Can't you just hear that in David? See, somewhere outside of scripture, he must have done some research on this guy Shimei because he remembered his name. He knew his birthplace. He knew his father. He knew a lot of things about him. David did some research on this guy. And he kept that, that, that feeling. He harbored that resentment, that bitterness. Because he was going to make sure one day this guy was going to pay. Have you ever wondered what your last words might be? You know, I, I always think... I love you, honey, because I'm going first, just so you know. Um, maybe, maybe we'll say something like, oh, I see the Lord. Can you imagine it being, remember our neighbor, how they encroached upon our yard? I want you to get even with them. David harbored this resentment for over a decade and now all this ugliness comes out there's a lesson for us i want us to first of all talk about the problem of resentment this story introduces to us the problem of resentment now first kings chapter 13 verse 5 says that love does not keep a record of wrongs love does not keep a record of wrongdoing now this is an accounting term it's the term for entering into a ledger something that you don't want to forget. Something that either you owe or somebody owes to you. So you write it down to make sure that it gets taken care of. Paul says that love does not keep a ledger of offenses. Love does not build up indebtedness. Love doesn't hold a grudge. But that's exactly what so many people do. They nurse their wrath. They, they just keep it safe and warm. They brood over it. They think about it. They let it go over and over in their mind. Like David leaving Jerusalem, there's a lot of us that have a shimei in our own life. And it may go all the way back to grade school, sitting on the playground, and, and, and a childish insult is hurled at you, and you still remember it today. And you went home, and what did mom tell you when you told mom? 
Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt you. Well, why do I remember it 55 years later? Because it does hurt. And I did not deal with it correctly. Maybe in school you were one of the smart kids and the athletes just always made fun of you. And you still feel that to this day. Maybe you had a good personality, but everybody made fun of your physical appearance. It's amazing how we can recall almost verbatim some of the things that were said to us all the way back when we were children, teenagers, young adults. It's like a, a recording that just plays over and over and over in your mind. Could have been a teacher, a teacher that said something to you, a counselor, um, a coach. So they, they said something, you've never forgotten it. I, I was in a Bible conference a long time ago, and, and one of the great pastors of, of our nation was speaking, and he told about a time that he was in Bible college, and he was on the maintenance team uh, crew there at the, at the college, and he was making about 70 cents an hour. And then he got uh, selected to play on the basketball team, so he quit the job. Well, the supervisor of, of that work crew called him aside. He said, I've observed that young men who don't do well on this crew usually don't do very well in the ministry either. Now, he told us that was about 30, maybe 40 years prior. And then he made the comment, this is what I want you to hear. Not that I hold a grudge against that judgmental old codger. He couldn't tell a preacher from a pagan to begin with. Illustrates our point, right? Something that happened to him decades ago is still fresh right here in the heart. Instead of letting the wound of a hurtful word, something that somebody's done, instead of allowing that to heal, you know, and, and it'll leave a little scar. Whenever you get hurt, there will be a scar. But instead of allowing that to heal, we pick at it, don't we? We just keep picking that scab. We keep that wound open. We brood over it. We keep a record of the wrong. And we keep underscoring it in the ledger. Every time we see that person, every time we think about that person, we go back and open up that ledger and we start underlining it, circling it, highlighting it, making stars above it to make sure we don't forget. Some of you had a shimmy at home. A mother or father who terrified you, called you stupid because of the things you've done. Husbands and wives live in the same house today and do not speak to each other because of built-up resentments. It's easy to let resentment toward an offender build up over time. Resentment destroys relationships. Some people are so bitter over the shimmy in their life that they, they won't even speak to that person any longer. They won't do anything with them. They, they, and they could be a close relative. And when you have a big family gathering, you make sure that you're sitting in the other room or you're doing something else. You keep yourself busy so you don't have to engage. In fact, kind of take pride in your alienation. And you're going to take that to the grave with you. Resentment alienates you. 
from close friends. It alienates you from family. Alienates you from fellow church members. But it does more than that. It destroys your personality. Holding on to anger is like grabbing hold of a hot coal with the intention of throwing it at somebody else. <laughs> you only hurt yourself. It, it's, it's you that gets burned. Resentment is emotional suicide. It's self-inflicting because it destroys your personality. A lot of people have withdrawn into a shell. They become protective, planning never to allow anybody to get that close again to where they can hurt me like that. And you're the loser. You've become vengeful. You've become bitter, joyless, negative. Proverbs 17, 22 says, A cheerful heart is a good medicine, but listen to this, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Martin Luther, the great Reformation preacher, he was always dealing with depression. One time he was so depressed, his wife came down the stairs all dressed in black, black veil, everything, black shoes, and he looks at her and said, honey, who died? She said, God's died. He said, God has not died. She says, well, start living like it. See, that's how people get. They get so bitter, so angry, that they, they just go into a, a deep, dark depression. Job said, Job chapter 5, verse 2, he says, To worry yourself to death with resentment would be a foolish and senseless thing to do. Resentment is only going to hurt you. So let, let's talk the rest of the day about healing. I want to give you a prescription for healing from resentment. The, the very best prevention, uh, the, the very best prescription is prevention. Don't allow yourself to become bitter. The Bible tells us that we are to deal with that anger. We're to deal with it before the sun goes down. Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. The Bible says that God... As an example to us, he buries our sins into the deepest sea and he remembers them no more. Now, sadly, we don't have the capacity to forget. Again, there's always going to be that little scar that is left. It takes a while for a wound to heal. It's going to take a while to forget. But you can bury the hurt. You, you'll one day remember, you know, somebody said, oh, what happened to you there? What's, what's that scar? Oh, wow, I forgot about that. Yeah, uh, that, and, and that will come back, but it's not, the hurt's gone. You'll remember it, but the hurt can be gone if you deal with it correctly. Remember what we said, 1 Corinthians 13, 5 said, love does not keep a record of wrongs. That's the best prevention for resentment. Let me tell you another story from the Bible. Uh, Peter, one of Jesus' closest disciples on the night that he was betrayed, he um, denied Jesus three times. Uh, a week or so later, even after the resurrection of our Lord and, and contact with Peter, um, he decided he was going to go fishing. He's no longer worthy to be a disciple of the Lord. He's going to go back to his old way of life. He goes back to fishing. And on that first fishing trip, 
It ends with an encounter with Jesus. After they shared a meal, Jesus talked to Peter and asked him three times, Peter, do you love me? He said, well, what does that have to do with resentment? Jesus taught us something very wonderful, and I'm, I'm surprised I've never caught this before. But Jesus doesn't bring up Peter's past. He doesn't say, Peter, do you remember that you denied me the night that I was betrayed? Peter, do you love me? No, that's not how he put it. He just says, Peter, do you love me? Why is that important? Because Jesus is teaching us that love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. You cannot prevent offenses from coming. It's going to happen. People are going to say things to you. They're going to do things that you don't agree with, and it's going to hurt. You can't prevent it from happening, but you can keep resentment from staying. You need to learn to let it go. If you would discover why you hold on to the resentment, you would be appalled at yourself. You really would. See, some people, they hold on to the resentment because they like the feeling. They like the hurt. They like the attention that they're getting from other people because they're telling other people about their hurt. Some hold on to the resentment because they're going to use it to get even. That's why they're refusing to let it go. Oh, they're planning a big blowout. They're waiting for a big confrontation with that offender. Beloved, when you hold on to the resentment, for whatever reason, you are disobeying the word of God. The word of God says we are to love one another. And love does not keep a record of wrongs. Peter once asked Jesus, how many times must a man forgive another? Four times. And, and for the Hebrew, that was good. So uh, uh, he said seven times. And for the Hebrew, four times was enough. That's all you had to do by the law. So when he said seven times, Jesus, do we forgive him seven times? He was showing how he had learned grace and mercy. Jesus said, no, not seven times, 70 times seven. In other words, just come over and over and over. We have to come to the point in our life where we, we realize people are people. And they're going to have some things th that are going to hurt us. And hurt us bad. We just can't allow that resentment to build up. A few years ago, I, I saw a picture on the internet, so it had to be real. Uh, it was a bumper sticker. A bumper sticker that said, I am a Pearl Harbor survivor. It was on the back of a Toyota pickup truck. That taught me something about forgiveness. I, I mean, this person who owned that truck was there. And yet, there could be forgiveness. You're going to remember what they said, what they did. But you can reach a point to decide to put it behind you. But what about the wound? Sometimes they're so deep you can't overcome them. And, and today you're struggling with bitterness and, and resentment. What do you do? I've got five things for you to do, and, and I'll, I'll stop preaching tonight. Um, the first thing is admit the problem. You know, you go into any 12-step group, and they'll tell you the first thing you have to do is admit that you have a problem. 
We need to admit that we have resentment. We have to admit that we have hurt. Jesus confronted Peter with the issue. He went to him. You will not be released from the resentment if you deny that it's there. We need to reveal that feeling at the beginning because that's when healing can, be, can, can take place. So don't deny the resentful feelings. Covering up is denying it. Love is going to admit the truth, and that's what will begin to erase it. Most people think if we just sweep it under the rug, we just try to get on with our life, that's going to make it okay. Let's just not talk about it anymore. Admitting your feelings is the beginning of healing. Job said, Job chapter 7, verse 11, he said, Therefore I will not keep silent. I will speak out of the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. I think we need to take these things to God and say, God, I have been hurt. And I want your help to deal with it. I want your healing. We've got to first admit the problem. The second thing we have to decide to do is to forgive. Forgiveness is a choice. You will choose to forgive or you're going to choose to live in resentment and bitterness. Some people say, I, I don't feel like forgiving. I don't want to hear about forgiving because I cannot forgive. Well, it's a matter of feeling. It's, a matter of obe it's not a matter of feeling. It's a matter of obedience to the word of God. Am I going to believe God? The Bible says that we're to love one another. The Bible says love does not hold others accountable. Am I going to believe the word of God and live by the word of God? Or am I going to live how I feel? You've made that choice. And by the way, remember the question Jesus asked the, the helpless paralytic at the pool of Bethesda? I couldn't even believe the question had to be asked. Here was a man paralyzed for 38 years. And Jesus' question is, do you want to be well? Wouldn't you think, of course. So I ask you the question today. Do you want to be well? Do you want to end the bitterness, the resentment? Do you want to allow it to fester more or do you want to be well? I, like I said, some people just love to nurse the grudge, feel sorry for themselves, get the attention. third thing we can do is take the initiative. Um, Jesus initiated the conversation with Peter, even though Jesus was the one that was hurt. He was the one that was denied. That was a very hurtful thing for one of his closest disciples to do to him on the day that he was betrayed. To hear him that third time deny him. But you know, when Jesus, he initiated this right at the resurrection... When the ladies came out and they saw his resurrection, he said, go and tell the disciples and Peter. You know why that's in the Bible? Because Peter needed to hear and Peter. Because he was already feeling like, I'm done. I cannot do this. I'm not going to go on in ministry. I'm already planning my trip back to go fishing. Jesus initiated the forgiveness he went to peter while after peter went you know days after that he went down to the to the shore 
where Peter was fishing. And he had that meal with him, and he initiated the healing. Sometimes when we've been wounded, we just sit back and we wait, and we hope that the person who really hurt us is going to come and fall at our feet and beg us to forgive us, and then maybe, maybe I will. But I've got bad news for you. That's not going to happen. Most of the time, the person doesn't even know that they hurt your feelings that bad. They thought it was a joke, or, or what they said was in anger, but it was something else that they were going through, and they didn't even realize that they hurt you. They're not coming to ask you for forgiveness. If you've been hurt, you need to go to them and say, let's work this out. Matthew 18, 15 says, if your brother sins against you, you're to go and show him his fault just between the two of you. Take the initiative. Go. Number four, release the offender. Romans chapter 12, verse 19 reads, Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, said the Lord. We need to release the offender. That's all we can do. Release them. By turning them over to the Lord, that's not saying that they did not hurt you. That does not say that you're, you're saying that they don't need to be punished. You're saying, I'm not the judge. I'm not the one that can bring the wrath upon them. And so we say, Lord, I'm going to trust you to deal with them. I'm, I'm going to lay, lay, leave my hurt at the cross. I've gone to them. I've told them. They still don't want to reconcile. I'm going to move on. You release the offender to God. Put him in God's hands. And then finally, focus on the future. See, by turning them over to the Lord, you're not saying they, they didn't hurt you. You're just saying, I'm moving on. Believe that the forgiveness is possible. Believe that through the power of the Holy Ghost that you can forgive and forgiveness can take place. You ever been driving down the road and uh, you look in the rear view mirror every once in a while? You don't hang out at the rear view mirror, do you? You don't keep looking at what's behind you. You've got to keep your eyes looking forward. Hebrews 13, 15 says, See to it that no one misses the grace of God and no bitter root grows up troubling you and defiling many. Here's the problem with us holding on to resentment. It doesn't just hurt us. It hurts the people around us. It hurts those that we love. Because we're sitting there bitter, angry, everything agitates us and who do we take it out on those closest to us believe that forgiveness is possible a few of you here today are saying to yourself you don't understand how badly deeply i've been hurt you don't understand how those roots are so entangled it's impossible preacher i can't reconcile this in my life I don't know what you've been through, but God has tasked me with presenting you with the truth of the Word of God. And the truth of the Word of God is that we are commanded to forgive. What are you going to do with that truth this morning? The truth that if you will obey the Word of God, your life is going to be better. The only one that you're hurting by harboring the bitterness, the resentment, is you.
and those close to you, your spouse, your children, other church members. You're making their lives miserable. Resentment is an acid that it does more damage to the vessel in which it is poured than to the vessel in which it is stored. That's a gross quote from Samuel Clemens who talked about anger. It's an acid that you think you're going to hurt somebody else with, but you're only hurting yourself. Your unforgiveness is holding you in prison. I think it's been long enough. Come to the Lord today in absolute surrender in this area. Listen, if Joseph could forgive his brothers for selling him into slavery, you can forgive that person. If Corey Ten Boom, you ever read the story of Corey Ten Boom? If you haven't, you need to. There's a movie about it, old movie, but it's still good. She was, a, as a young child, taken into captivity by the Nazi Germany and into a concentration camp where she watched this prison guard torture her and, and murder her family, and she forgave that prison guard. If she can do that, you can forgive who's hurt you. If Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who has never done anything wrong, can forgive you of all your sin, I think you can forgive that person that has hurt you. Begin today. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, so many people are hurting because of resentment, because of unforgiveness. God, only by your Holy Spirit can we overcome. God, that we would bow to your word and we would say that, God, you're right. I need to let that go. I need to make sure that I do everything I can to restore the relationship, and then I just, I need to let it go. God, help us to overcome that. Help us to break out of the prison that we have set ourselves in by our resentment. And God, forgive us of the bitterness that we have caused in the lives of so many others because we just couldn't let it go in the past. God, help us today to start afresh, start new, obeying your word, doing what you've told us to do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to have a hymn of invitation. If you're here today and you're not a member of the church, we'd love for you to join. So we're going to stand, we're going to sing, and while we do that, I want you to just come right out of that pew where you are and, and down to the front. I'll be here at the front to receive you. Maybe you need to ask Jesus in your heart. You're not a Christian. We can show you how to be saved. And please, every church member to come to pray for our church as we begin our last week in our 40 days.